All right, this is Candace Stewart. Welcome back to another episode of Trade Secrets. I'm here today with a really talented young guy, actually. His name is David Davis. David, how you doing? I'm great. Um, just here with you in Studio One. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're at East West in Studio One. So I like to keep this kind of, you know, loose and, and free-flowing, so I like to give people a little bit of your history. So going all the way back, where were you born? I, I was born in Cumberland Gap area like um Claiborne County Tennessee so where East Tennessee and Virginia and Kentucky all meet yeah uh, yeah and did you uh so how long did you live there did you go to elementary school there I did I lived there until I was about nine and um that's kind of where I got into music Uh, I had like a this bluegrass guitar teacher and my mom like got me into like hair metal and all this kind of stuff. Like, wait, wait, wait. Bluegrass to hair metal, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was a bluegrass kind of town, so it's not like, and we had MTV. So there was one guitar teacher, pretty much, Buster Turner, and then everyone. Buster Turner. Yeah. Well, he so, sounds awesome. So he taught me about seven chords and all that kind of stuff when I was about six. Then I got into just wanting to, like, solo and do all the 80s stuff. And then after that, we moved to Chicago for, Ooh. yeah, for like five years. That's cool. It was cold. Literally cold. But it was kind of rad, though, for a little while. Cause, um, well, going from a country environment to like an urban environment like that, how old were you when you moved to Chicago? I was nine, turning 10. Oh, all right. So I remember I showed up and uh, I would ask for stuff from the other kids. I'd be like, uh, and then that's how I learned how to say words. Because <laughs> one time I was like. Uh, Did you have a strong accent? Well, you tell me. I said, uh, can I borrow a pencil? And they were like. What does Bari mean? Oh, <laughs> got like, it. On, yeah, man. yeah. Like, well, yeah, no, that's normal to me because I'm from the South. Bari, Bari and borrow. Yeah, that's right. So, DeMario explained to me what, uh, how is it's borrow. Who is DeMario? Uh, it was one of my friends. Oh, okay. Oh, so, that's probably the first time that you encountered like other ethnic groups, you know, like Italian kids or. I thought about it and yeah, I think it. it there you go. Probably was. Cumberland Gap probably didn't have a whole lot of Italians. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> But, Beautiful um, part of the country, though, Cumberland Gap. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I was there um, for a while, maybe four or five years. Was your mom a single mom? She was for uh, on and off, yeah. And, and siblings? I have three siblings. From the same mom and dad? No, all different. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So Everybody's busy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like... Um, Really all different? Your your brother too? Yeah, all of them. Oh, wow. uh, me and my older brother, we had the same dad. And um, and obviously the same mom. Uh, no, me and my older oh, brother have different moms. I have different moms. Yeah, the same so dad. they're, oh, they're see, all so halves. Confused. But yeah, they feel like sense. both I don't even know why I said that. Um, no, it, it's really complicated math to be honest. It's like, it's like pseudo, <laughs> it, it's just poverty math maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, and so, then, so Chicago, how long were you in Chicago? Five years. Okay, so now you're 14, you're a young man, mm-hmm. you're interested in music. They had music program in, in Chicago too, right, in the school? I don't know. I, I really just went to, honestly, the, the school I got was from Headbangers Ball, like back in the day. MTV, I, huh? Yes, Saturday oh, wow. night. Oh, wow. And that was like what I lived for. I had for. Don, Don Kirscher's rock concert, which is pre-MTV. <laughs> Don Kirscher's, what's that? Don Kirscher's rock concert. It was another midnight special. They were late night shows that came on TV, on uh, network TV. This is pre-cable. They came on and they were concert concert shows that came on, on late at night. Oh uh, yeah, I think it was Saturday night. 
That's rad. Yeah. There's nothing like waiting for something that's like live to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, these were these were live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So rad. MPV. I remember when MPV broke. I remember that you know, video killed the radio. So I remember that. That was. Oh wow. It was very real. I was already an adult, but. Eighties. Uh, yeah, I was already in my twenties. Well, when were you born? What year were you born? Eighty. So. Oh, wow. Okay. When did MPV come out? Like eighty-one. I don't know. Probably around there. That's a good question. Anybody listening to this podcast, please do your research (laughs) and find out when MTV came into being. That feels about right, though, doesn't it? But uh, uh, dear listeners, I would also like to let you know that David is very easy on the eye. He's a well-built young man and handsome. He's got. I'm calling the cops. He's very handsome. (laughs) Yeah, but sexually harassing. No, he's very handsome. He's very strong, and uh, yeah, he's tall. He's tall. Drink of water. (laughs) He's in good shape. Anyway, back to back to the back to the music. So you headbangers ball. Let me get the blood. Uh, out of my face <laughs> so he's all and he's blushing <laughs> ladies no um he's blushing yeah but uh so you're 14 you're in chicago yes and then well i was actually i moved back when i was 14 all right we moved but, back to cumberland gap yes oh but um shock culture shock what was what was really rad though about chicago besides headbangers ball and getting into all this stuff was i lived next to two very famous venues um and one was called the Riviera, where they filmed like the Walk video, Pantera, and um, oh wow, like everyone's played there. And the other one's the Aragon Ballroom. Oh, beautiful! <sighs> I think I'm so, familiar with that. You know, I've known you for a minute. I didn't know that you were like a metal guy. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I, I definitely love metal, and as a kid, that was what I grew up with. But um, but guitar I, being the instrument that you kind of lean toward. Definitely, yeah. there, there's one kind of like odd story that um. I'm trying to think if I should wait later. No, I'll just tell you now. Tell me now. Okay. Um, so when I was a kid, I remember maybe 13 or so, I would always like be around the Riviera just hanging out like some dumb kid trying to get into the show. I had like long, long hair and, the, you know, it was obvious that I like metal. I'm always wearing black. So there was this roadie one time and I saw like probably, probably 20 shows or something. And people were cool. They let you in most oh, of the time? Well, Yes. But uh, I knew that because I was a little kid. I would just hang out and be like, somebody's going to let me in here. So I met like Max Cavalera and oh, his nice. wife, Gloria, and they gave me like, they wrote my name down on a guest list thing, or on a napkin Aww. and got me on a guest list, White Zombie, all that. Um, but one of the first times it happened, I didn't know if I was going to get in the show. It was a White Zombie in 93 with a band called Newt Swirl, Fear Factory, and one other band, Clutch. Oh, okay. So this guy... He's a Japanese guy. He's pushing a road case. Got long black hair, like, and uh, he. The show started, and he's like, "Why aren't you in there watching the show?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't, don't have, have a ticket because yeah. I'm 12 or uh, whatever." And he's like, "Oh, come on, I got you." And he took me in, uh-huh. watched the show, met the band, White Zombie signed my stuff, gave me all these pics. Did you watch the show from like the stage or backstage? Right in the front, always. Oh. Like I was always moshing and getting thrown around. And, oh my god! Yeah, um, but. Fast forward to 20 years later, and I saw this Japanese dude uh, pushing a guitar case, and I thought, that guy kind of looks like the guy that gave me all these tickets, and uh, he was Richie Sambora's guitar tech. Oh, my God. So I'm like, you didn't happen to be the guy on the White Zombie Did you see him at a studio, or did you? Yes, East West. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't fishing, but I just didn't know where you saw him. (laughs) Yeah, I saw him here. I couldn't believe it. Oh, that's that's so crazy. Stuff like that just happens. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, kismet, you know? Yeah, and music 
music industry is a small town too pretty much yeah i think i think people don't really realize i mean and one of the things i'm doing in the podcast is i'm talking to people that do all kinds of different things um david is a musician obviously he's a guitar player he's also a wonderful singer but he also you know studied engineering and and knows how to be a recording engineer but has sort of taken his career and gone more into production and wants to be a you know wants to stick with the creation aspect of things he wants to write songs wants to you know arrange music but both for himself and for other people. Yeah. So, which is really great. I think, you know, it's like you can never know too much, right? It's like, oh, it's not going to be bad that you know how to engineer. You know what I mean? Certainly not going to be bad that you can read music or read card, um, chord charts or know how to play guitar or tune a guitar. That's not going to be bad. You know, understanding microphones and what might work for the people that you're working with when you're writing could be really helpful. You know, if a female singer comes in and you think, oh, well, that mic's not really right for her voice, whatever. Anyway, so I think all this stuff, all comes together to make you a multi-talented person. So um, we're just getting back. We've just taken you from Chicago, <laughs> and now you got back to Cumberland Gap. <laughs> you got back to Cumberland Gap. I try to. I, I always try to reel it back in. But gone back to Cumberland Gap, and you're like turning 14. So you probably start in like ninth grade. Yep. Starting high freshman school? in high school. Yeah. And uh, and now you're the boy from the big city. Now you're oh. the boy that came from Chicago, and you're back in the country. Sheesh. Yeah, that was a rough transition, actually. <laughs> yeah, that could be kind of rough. I was a new I was kid several times. Dressed in all black, and yeah, I was like a metal kid. I was a little bit, but then my brother was this uh, super athlete. Oh, the jock. That's helpful if he's a jock, though, no? Oh, yeah. You're he, the jock's well, brother? That's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird contrast, because it's like, oh, wait, this guy's like the super, super talented fella. Was he like quarterback, or? He was a fullback oh, okay. and a defensive. He was... He was rad at football. Those, he still is. Those, those of you who are listening, if you don't understand how important sports are, especially to the high schools in the South, you should just know that the people that are drafting for the for the pro teams, obviously for college, but for the pro teams as well, uh, some of the high schools, and I don't want to just say the South, but you know, it's kind of like hockey tends to be affiliated with the Midwest and the North Midwest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, for us, you know, for in the South, football, you got like. A lot of great football players coming up early and in high school. You Definitely. know what I mean? That's your that's your way out of the hills. Kind yeah, of. It's, yeah, it's kind of your it is. It's kind of your way out and and your way into well, it's certainly your way to get into a good college. Yeah, you know if you don't have any any money. Yep, which he, you know which mm -hmm. is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. great. So did he end up doing that, your brother? He did for a minute, and then he took over Davis Auto Parts after that, like because uh, it was kind of time. And he just sort of wanted well, your to last name. We segued into that. Your last name is Davis. So yeah. Davis Auto Parts was the family business. Yep. And then who he, started it? Our papa, uh, Joe know, Davis. Explain to people what, you, what a papa is. That your granddad? A papa is a grand, uh, grandpa. Yeah. 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 Granddad. Yeah. And what was papa's wife's name? Grandfather, Davis. Joe Davis. Yeah. But what was what was uh, would you call your grandma? Oh, uh, mamma. Mamma. Yeah. David will do the best imitation of his grandma and, and make him do it. It's the best I thing. I can't ever. do it. I'll get bummed out though. She, no, I'll, yeah, yeah. She passed. She passed. She passed. I won't make him do it. She passed. But <laughs> I used to love to hear him just do uh, the imitation of his his grandma. It was so sweet. All She's right. So now one. you're back. You're wearing black. Your brother's a jock. Everyone's yep. like, oh, this is wild. This guy is from Chicago and he's all into metal. And his brother's like a really well, a beloved, you know, athlete <laughs> in the school. So, yeah. So, but I bet the girls like the metal boy. Uh, yeah, uh, a couple of them, but I was cheerleaders? just, did you get any cheerleaders? That was just kind of a short lived thing. You know how you, you in high school, you just kind of change like oh, every, boy, yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I sort of just, I started playing. Although I got voted too. least changed when I went to my 20th high school. Reunion. Seriously? <laughs> 
I got both of these changed. I think because I was wearing black jeans, a black T-shirt, and black Converse's. That was the uh, nice. That was what I wore in high school. The so. Jerry Finn outfit, right? I, I was the way that was the way I dressed. Well, so, he just yeah, copied you. I think then. He stole it from me. Maybe I don't know. No, I think it was just called poverty poverty dress back in high school. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, I always wore black, which like you wearing black was unusual. Yeah. You know, people were like, "Why are you wearing black all the time?" <laughs> You're going to be a server in L.A. someday? Yeah, basically didn't show dirt, you know, it was yeah, basically right. my thought. So, yeah. so now you're in high school. Oh, yeah. And now did you graduate from high school? I got, I was actually, I had a really hard time in high school and ended up getting a GED. All right. Because I lived in, uh, I moved around a bunch in high school and lived in a bunch of different kinds of houses, trailers, houses, junkyards, whatever, um, you know, some of these trailers are nice. Y'all listen, y'all listen, and don't judge a trailer, okay? Just because yeah. it's a trailer, because there's got, also trailers in Malibu. By the yeah, way. yeah, that's a good trailer park. That's probably where I'll end up. But Here, here's uh, open. Yeah, Heather Cliff. Yeah, Heather Cliff would be rad. <laughs> that would be rad because you can. Yeah, it's right by the water. But um, point doom. Yeah, I I was kind of. I ended up in alternative school for like a long time, which in were school you, suspension. You did, you weren't, were you like, did you get in fights and stuff? Did you have like disciplinary problems? I got in fights more in Chicago, but with, with high school, it was more like just smoking cigarettes and. Problems and, with know, authority? And a little bit. I just, I just. <laughs> You're would, so polite. I find that hard to believe. Man. Well, they beat it into me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you could still like get spanked there with a. Like, oh yeah, ruler or whatever. Kind of weird spoon. now. <laughs> yeah, it's a paddle. No, it was a paddle. A paddle I remember yeah. gets made with paddle. So, did you own a guitar? Oh, sorry, I just hit yes. my mic. Did you own a guitar by this time? And what was the first guitar you owned? Man, well, it's well, funny. I owned the first guitar I had was a, a Harmony, uh, which I ended up rebuying another one like it because I lost the other one. And then the other one was a Warlock, a B series Warlock. Was the Harmony an electric guitar? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yep, and. The first amp that I had is now selling for like ten grand or something on eBay oh my God. because apparently one of my heroes and I rarely tell people, but uh, Josh Homme, yes. I guess his amp, he had the same amp. It's the PV Decade amp, and uh, I love Josh Homme. Mine was pff, me too, but and and one of the first songs I learned how to play by ear was a Kaya song, uh, Green Machine. Oh wow! Um, on the same amp, the I didn't know it was. It's that, called a PV Decade. Yeah. All right. And it is how big is it? Like what? Oh, it's an eight-inch speaker. It's probably this big. Oh, Mine okay. had the transformer rattling around the back, and then the hey, y'all speaker. can't see what he's doing with his hands, but it, oh, basically thanks. measuring, <laughs> basically measuring an eight-inch box. But yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, I forget. It's all right. Talking with my hands. That's yeah, right. We'll get a video component one day. Oh man, such a such a cool amp. And I remember the the moment when I finally discovered how to like distort it in in a cool way, where you just crank up the pre, and then turn the post down. It's like it's like when you have a it's like a 1073 and you blast the mic pre and turn the fader down. It's the same right. kind of concept. Same, yeah, yeah. Overdrive as it were. Overdrive, yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, so that what was my first What about pedals? Day. The first pedal I got was a heavy metal pedal for Christmas for from my family in the South. They sent ah. it to Chicago. And uh, yeah, if you've ever had that, if anybody's ever had that pedal, they know it's, the metal zone is like the, the one that came after it, but that that's the one though. Oh, that's, I think, I think it's cool that at least they were supportive. I mean, you were young oh, yeah, and yeah. they were all, they didn't mind you being a musician. Didn't seem like anybody was hating on it. No, but I mean, there were times I wouldn't have strings and I would like have to, I just would have 
dental floss just so I could keep doing that in the bread the bread tie for uh, oh, my strings until dear, they would break. Yeah, yeah. Well, necessity is the mother of invention for all things. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think the early blues guys had any money at all, and I'm sure that who was that? Like the early blues guys, like Robert Johnson and people oh, like right. that. I mean, you know, when you talk about like cat gut strings, I think people don't really realize that that's really real. <laughs> Man, I guess it is. Isn't you know, it? it's kind of crazy, but um, and you know, guitar can be you know, not perfect and beat up. And I think we'd both agree that, I mean, obviously the better the instrument, it's in tune, but it's really about your ability to elicit emotion with what you're playing. Yeah, I you totally know? agree with that. You know, it's, and I say the same is true for songs with lyrics and things like that as mm -hmm. well. So you, yeah. you, got, you got your GED mm -hmm. and then you decided to go to recording school? Well, no, I played in a band for a long time, several bands. Oh, did you tour? I did play like just East Coast stuff, nothing okay. out here. Um, but yeah, I probably played like two, three hundred shows or something just wow. with, with the random bands. Um, yeah. All metal, all metal, or no? There was just some metal and some like bands that kind of sound like the Killers and the Death Cat, Death Cab. I'm oh, not nice. super stoked about it, but um, I had a really good time. I just feel like we didn't have enough, enough. You know how like surfing because you surfer you spend yeah. time in the water and you just get better and i feel like i didn't really get enough time uh time in the water or time on the road or whatever well i mean it's not too not too late although i don't know if that's a lifestyle you want to no revisit way. at this time now he's uh david is also newly married yeah and we don't know that going <laughs> on the road unless it was with a really well-paying gig and uh right. where he could have co-production and, and all that kind of groovy stuff that would yeah. be great that would be fun um maybe. From, so you're, you get the GED, you're gone on tour now, and you're touring all around doing like, you know, regional stuff. Mm -hmm. And then what made you, what, what, what was the next step? What did you? I, I went to college at Pellissippi finally when I was uh, 25. At where? It's called Pellissippi State. It's a community college. Okay. But, and I had to take like remedials and all this other stuff, but I ended up like doing really well there, making like A's and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, because you're a smart guy. I guess. You are. But, um, no, I know. You are. You totally are. <laughs> Trust me. But I really, you know, I loved it because it, it it just meant something to me to try to learn something. And I think Finally. the structure, if you're ready for it, I think if you're like 18 or 19 and you actually are committed and you can, you know, I think the first hurdle is getting up and going to class. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can handle the structure and you probably had to work while you were going to school too. I did. I did. Yeah. What'd you do for a job when you were in I school? delivered pizzas when I worked there. For, right. And I was there for maybe two or three years, I guess. Oh, wow. Um, delivering pizzas at Papa John's, playing in a band with the guys that worked there. Dude, living the dream. <laughs> it was super fun, honestly. <laughs> what was the name of that band? Uh, nope. <laughs> was it called Nope? No, no. I'm not, I, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I okay, it all right. But it wasn't the Papa John band. <laughs> To some, we might be. <laughs> there was a radio interview I did once, uh, and we had just lost they this contest to play like a, show. a battle of the bands or something yeah and we just lost i just found out and i had to go back to papa john's where we we're all there i did the interview on the phone like talking to the the dj oh right someone called they're like you need to get that i'm like yeah hold on <laughs> and i answered thanks for calling papa john's can you hold please and i put it back up like okay <laughs> oh jesus well you know what i don't think i don't think anything that I don't think you should be embarrassed about anything that no, happens I'm along the journey because, you know, we're laughing about it now. I mean, it's, you know, at the time it might have felt a little bit, you know, you were a little bit bummed out from losing the contest. I mean, if you'd have won the contest, what would have happened? 
I'd have been in a bad band, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you, you know, I mean, maybe you would have bought a Papa John's franchise with the money that you made. Who knows? Who knows? It could have been a completely different life. It was really fun, though. It sounds, it sounds super fun. So you're, you're going to, what do you, how do you call it? Pella what? It's a hard one. Pellissippi. Pellissippi. And then uh, I got an associate's from there, and I was going to UT, going to be the first like person to graduate, I guess, from a family from UT. Oh, wow. Which would have been cool. But What's UT? I don't even know. University of Tennessee. Oh, there you go. I should uh, know that. Founded, okay. I think, in like the 1700s, late 1700s. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. I had my school was built in the 1660 College oh, of Charleston. I know. Crazy. That's rad. I know. Before anything was anything, they mm -hmm. had a school. So All those a good East time. Coast schools were there before, you know. Yeah. People, people don't realize that, you know, they don't. You know, they think, oh, St. Augustine's the oldest city or this, that, and the other. They don't realize that long before states were states, there were cities and towns and, you know, areas and regions and stuff like that. Man. Tennessee, South Carolina. And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Colonies or that? I don't know. I don't realize that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's like pre, that's like pre-colony, actually. That's like, uh, Charleston at least was like, they had these guys called the Lord Proprietors. And I think the King of England at the time just wanted to get rid of them or he owed him favors or something. So he said, yeah, I'll give this land over here in this mosquito swamp. And it'll oh, be no. in South Carolina. There you go. Mosquito swamp. Mosquito <laughs> swamp. Yeah. Anyway, anyway well, it's beautiful now. But, yeah, yeah. Cumberland Gap, that's, uh, and I'll get back to UT, but that's where Daniel Boone did the whole blazing a trail west because there was a thousand miles of these huge cliffs and no one could get through to the west except for this one spot, the gap where a meteor had hit apparently or, oh, that's or something. And then, and there's, there's river, there's river there too, right? There's water there. Yeah. The clinch river is there. And now there's a man-made like the Norse, like, oh, okay. uh, Norse, like for TVA for the power and all that. So when they get through Cumberland Gap, they're now on the, they're still in Tennessee or where are they? Like, Cumberland Gap is right on the border border of Virginia, Tennessee, all that. There's a tunnel that goes, it's massive. That It's like, it's one of those things where when I was a kid, I used to hear, hear ACDC on the radio and then the tunnel would go out and then you try to keep playing time. And I heard Dave Grohl actually tell that same story. And I'm like, did this guy live my same childhood somewhere? <laughs> yeah, he lived, he lived in a small town in Virginia, actually. Everybody always says it was D.C., but he lived like... Outside of D.C. in Virginia. Out, yeah, yeah. What was the name? I can't remember the name of the town. But um, he was born in Warren, Ohio. Hmm. That's uh, Warren, Ohio's claim to fame. Dave Grohl was born there. He's amazing. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Him and Josh Homme, too. <sighs> yeah, Both man. nice guys. Um, very cool. So now you, um, you've gone to college. That's all happening. You did the pop mm -hmm. Johns. Yes. And then what was the next uh, phase in Dave's life? The next turning point for me was, uh, I, I went and worked in New York. We got invited to go record. Same band that we demo. don't get to know the name of. We're going to call him Nope. Band. The band's going to be called Nope. Nope is a pretty good name. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, sir. But, uh, this guy, Alex Newport, who is like, kind of an he's an amazing producer okay. and mixer old school kind of dude he was in a band called uh fudge tunnel and also in a band with sepultura all right sepultura, uh, or okay. sorry max cavalera from sepultura right right but he and he recorded all the early at the drive-in mars volta stuff oh i love all that stuff. i wonder if i know this guy Maybe. he probably he's Might really quiet yeah um he's been here before with um just hanging out with me a little bit but oh, wow. he's a rad dude he recorded my band and Produced, so, but you made a long, it. a long-lasting friendship with this guy. I talk to him sometimes. Yeah, oh, I think he, he moved to Joshua Tree or something. Get closer to Josh Homme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who wouldn't want to be over there? Right? Um, 
So you went to New York. Now, where did yep, you? Yeah, that's just, when I decided to like. Were you making a living with music in New York? No, I was still in school and Papa John's. We were doing okay with the band, but nothing crazy though. Wait a minute. Now you actually went from one Papa John's to another? No, I just was there for a week to record. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Right, no, right. no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. wait a minute. No, I, I couldn't live there. That's that'd be a lot. Um, but we had a good time, and that's when I saw Alex like working the board the way he was. I'm like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. We'd done stuff like that in Tennessee, but something who paid about, for the recording sessions when you went to New York? Oh, we did. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was the economic stimulus demo of 2006 or eight or whatever it was. Oh Whenever, my God, that's not very long ago. <laughs> everyone got all that money. I'm like, that's not that long guys, ago. Guys, let's go. That's not that long ago. It feels like hundreds of lifetimes ago. Yeah, it was but, a long ago. But yeah, that's when I decided to go to that CRAS, the recording school in Arizona. Yeah, those of you listening, uh, CRAS is the, stands for the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. And they have a, a campus in Tempe, Arizona, and another one in Gilbert, Arizona. And I am the chairman of the advisory board of the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. And I have been for <laughs> 12 or 13 years. And so yeah. as a studio manager, the trade schools that I deal with that I want to hire entry-level people from, interns or runners or whatever, I pretty much work with Crass and Blackbird Academy in Tennessee, which is another great school. But uh, maybe because David's from Tennessee, maybe that's why it's a good school. I don't know. But anyway, uh, so David went to Crass, and Crass's program is pretty, it's not, it's not, I like it because I don't think they charge, I think they charge a fair amount of money, and it doesn't take a really long time. They basically, it's a one to one and a half year program, something like that? It was, at the time, it was one, I think, with the internship included. So nine oh, okay. months of school, and then after a three-month-ish internship, oh, which okay, I kind of extended bad. a little bit, yeah. Um, do you feel like that was a good foundation? At the time, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Plus, like, knowing a little, just enough to be dangerous, I guess, is what yeah, they say. That's what I, yeah, but, I say that all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, well, I know what a 57 looks like, and... Well, and you get... You get down the basic fundamentals of signal flow. You, you, you're understanding oh, how to get school, from point yeah. A to point B, which is really important. And I think you also get basic electronic concept, like yeah. you understand what balanced and this is this is normal or this is minus 10 and this is, you know, mm -hmm. plus five or whatever. You, you get a concept of how electronics, how electronics interplay with audio. Like you begin to understand how the microphone <laughs> How yeah, good the pathway. The, yeah, the pathway, the, sig the signal flow. And, and that's important too, I think. Well, for me, I was like, uh, I was on the recording side. So sometimes things would happen and I'd be like, well, this sucks and I don't know why. And so now I kind of know why. I know how to be kind of empathetic to somebody yeah. in my shoes if they're trying to record a vocal and they, they want the speakers on. I'm like, well, let's do it with this then because this, this is a mic that's not going to pick up the crickets over there in the corner versus like a 47 by the way, right. this is an SM7 here I'm talking yep. about, but David brought his own mic. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on an RE20. You got the Tom York mic. Oh, I love him. I love Radiohead. <sighs> Man, me too. I know he's amazing. Is he, does he sing into an RE20? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think of it as a vocal mic. I think of it as like a like a drum mic almost. I don't. It can be like anything mic, really. Yes. So. They're well, all just kind of EQs and I, it looks cool looking. Mm -hmm. It looks like the Capitol Tower. Yeah. <laughs> Like almost exactly. Yeah, I never realized that. I just never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you go in, so um, obviously because I manage a recording studio, I'm always a champion of people who are engineers and who pursue that uh, that skill. And I'm 
even as I said, even if you're going to be a musician, I think it's good for you to understand what's happening and how your music gets from point A to point B, how it gets recorded. So mm -hmm. I think it's good for you as a musician to know that. So you came to work for me here. Sometimes when I do these interviews, I don't even tell people that I already knew the people. Like, I don't even say that you worked here. Like, sometimes what? I go through the whole interview and not even <laughs> say, like, and, and you're, but David worked here. David worked for me. Hello. Uh, with me. <laughs> at East for West. For you, for sure. With me at East West and um, <laughs> for me. And later, later. he was great. Always, always had a soft spot for him early on. He's always very polite and very sweet and very, and, and wanted to learn, you know? So for me, that's a big, big thing. I mean, if you, come in and think you know everything at the entry level, then I am very suspicious and skeptical because I, I still don't think I know everything. And why would you think you know everything if you had never done anything yet? <laughs> it's a weird, weird I try to be to patient. Be. <laughs> I mean, I want confidence. Yeah. I don't mind confidence, but I don't like, uh, I, you got to have an open mind. You yeah. know, like you were Be saying curious. earlier, like when you, you like learn from mistakes, like when someone does something, a lot of times in a recording session, and we, you can elaborate on this, a lot of times something that ends up being a happy accident, like something that happens or some weird thing that happens yes. could be even, even be phasing. It could be some kind of thing that happens. And then later you listen to it, you go, that sounds really cool. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're fishing or you're, yeah, yeah you basically. Just, you know, I mean, I always, I bring this up. I brought it up before about, you know, people like Jeff Emmerich and Tom Dowd and the guys that kind of in Bill Putnam, the guys that started as, you know, recording as a career, as a profession, they were kind of taking everything from broadcast because a lot of the equipment, the consoles and everything that they had, were they modded, they had to modify them themselves from broadcast consoles. So the real uh, ones. versus recording consoles. So then you've got someone like Jeff Emmerich and they're doing that song. I always call it Chagaru Day, but I think it's, I don't <laughs> know the name of the actual song, but he puts, he puts mics all around the room in a circle and he puts John Lennon on a swing in the center and he pushes a swing, mm -hmm. you know, and he's just singing while he's like spinning in a circle. That's you the know? first Atmos. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and I think it was a lot of mics. I think if I, if I don't have this wrong, I think it was at least 12 mics, if not more. And he spun him in this big circle and you know, they were just, I love the experimental nature of it. And I still love to see that. I still love to see people going, well, Hey, we don't have to put, that kind of mic on that instrument, we can do this or yeah. we can put it over here. We can move it around. Me too. That's like the exciting part of That's it That's the all. fun part. Yeah. Cause you're, it's, it's a, a phenomenon in a way, like you never know what's going to happen if you run something through a space echo. So it, or uh, like, or if you sample something to vinyl and then bring it back in harmonics and reverb and all these things are, aren't really replicatable or is that the right word? I think, I th yeah, I think that is the right word because it's, it's, it's like in the moment mm -hmm. of what's happening at that moment in time. Yeah. And, it, and the it, space that you're in is a big factor. It's huge. The physical room that you're in. We talk about acoustics a lot, but it's, I mean, David and I also would both agree that you can make a great vocal in a bathroom. Mm -hmm. Bathrooms have a lot of reverb. <laughs> Man though, one thing people don't really talk about a lot when they bring up this like home studio thing versus, um, commercial like sanctuary. Studio type yeah. places like this is a this is like a vortex of amazing you know to me here it's like a little spiritual spot because all this great stuff's been here so the thing you don't think about is how you're kind of competing with the energy that was in here before yeah not and to I get do all think, hippied out but. no but i do think that's really true because i mean i think that the energy like the room that we're sitting in now happened to be the room that frank sinatra worked in a lot okay say what you will doesn't matter what kind of music you like 
listen to Frank Sinatra's voice and My there's way. no argument that Frank Sinatra knew how to sing. So you listen to that yeah. and then you're in a space like this. And this is a very big room that we're sitting in right now and it's pretty ambient. And I'm sure that this recording is going to show that even though this might be stellar. Is, I think we're super close, so it should yeah, be. Yeah, we're super close, so it's going to be sound a, good. A nice little like uh, afterthought. Maybe. Yeah, it's kind of like a little reverb, little reverb, little, yeah, little, <laughs> little reverb action in the room. But I think that what I want to hear what you were going to say about home studios because we've already given sanction to the fact that it's about eliciting emotion and about the song, the performance, you know, all those things and recording is the process by which you capture that magic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it, mistakes can be happy accidents. You introduce, you, you get creative and get weird and do weird stuff. Yes. And so what were you going to say about uh, comparing the home uh, environment versus the sanctuary environment? Well, I just, I feel like it's Back good. Back to the song, bro. You know, <laughs> you're not the same person that you are when you go somewhere else. You, you change, a well, maybe not you, but I know because... <laughs> 20 years and best what was it you hadn't changed in 20 years yeah yeah it was least change least, least change sorry. yeah but i know i wish that were i feel differently when i go to different places so and i'm well, you know I mean, treated think, differently and well and you're sensitive that I, think, different I, think, emotion. I, I think if you're uh, an artist I, th I think even anybody i'm not an artist but i think you get affected are. by the energy of the place that you're in and in in on the good side a place like this hopefully has it has a good energy that that things that have happened here in the past you're both intimidated by and excited inspired by, by yeah. and inspired by exactly and inspired by hopefully inspired but um the home theater the home theater the home <laughs> studio thing i think a lot of good you know came out of the tough thing with COVID-19 and with the lockdown and people being somewhat isolated i think the positive that happened was that people got creative you know and maybe they got down to writing songs that they were putting off or they were writing mm -hmm. a book or whatever it was that they were you know didn't have time to do the bad part was being isolated from other people and not having the collaboration which so often also yields the happy accident yeah because if you just kind of develop on your own you're like a species developing in a, in a cave somewhere you just yeah you don't have any kind of variation around you so or nothing to ping off of, you ping know what I mean? Of, yeah. Yes, I don't know, I'm making words up. No, no, that, that totally yeah, makes nothing. sense. Like your sonar, you, yeah. you don't have certain ideas with so, so, some other people, so you have to have like a chemistry. It's called like, like, like in-room chemistry, I think. Right. Um, vibe is vibe is for sure important, and I do think that there's an energy. I think, I mean, we won't get too esoteric here, but there are people that don't believe in ghosts. I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> you go to where an uh, old town like Charleston where I grew up or places where David grew up, and you can definitely feel an energy in places where had, that have existed for a long time. Sheesh. Yeah, Lonesome Valley. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> yeah, what's it called? Lonesome Valley? Yeah, Lonesome Valley. Why is it called Lonesome Valley? Because it's so lonesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody left? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, but the ghosts are still there. Everybody left. Yeah, no, I'm just being silly. But uh, but there's definitely energy, and I think people just because you know you just because you can't see it, you know how, you know how your cat or your dog will like mm. be staring mm. at something, like stop and be staring, at and you'd be like, what is it? What do you see? He's got a sixth sense. Like what do you see? <laughs> yeah. Well, they just see stuff we don't see. I mean, they probably you know it's like you can't see X-ray, you can't see cobalt, you can't yeah, see you know infrared. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it's frequency, but you also yeah, you just can't see it with your eyes. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We know this. Like people say, oh, I can't see it. I don't believe in it. Well, uh, that kind of eradicates a whole lot of scientific exactly. stuff. Exactly. <laughs> your, spe your spectrum is more narrow than like a, or different than a dog's. Like they can hear up to sixty, so they can hear. Dude, and, who and, knows what? Dude, and their sense of smell. It's like I have a husky. 
It's like, I thought it was something like a hundred times. It's like crazy. It's like 600,000 times stronger than a person, but then Jesus. they can focus he's in. he's Einstein. They can focus, he is Einstein, but they can focus in on a singular smell and cut out the others as, a, as can a bloodhound, but focus in on a single smell. And I'm like, wait a minute, if your sense of smell is 600,000 times greater than a person's, wouldn't you just be going insane? Like wouldn't your head just be like spinning off your neck? Like what's all those smells? Wow. You know, I'm freaking out, you know? So hearing, yeah. uh, changing senses, but Man. people actually do hear a pretty wide frequency actually, yep. you know, and hence why our ears are on either side of our head. Yep. This is a good thing instead of being on top of our head <laughs> or in the back of our head. I mean, you kind of hear with your body too, in a way. I mean, that where you move your head. Well, plus like subs, you know, right. something really rad about being in a room that has like a lot of low end and you can really just kind of feel it. You kind of feel when a song is yeah, rad. Dudes feel it in a different place than girls feel it. <laughs> <laughs> dudes feel it in the part they have down there and girls, girls feel it in the part they got down there. I feel it just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or in your thorax. Yeah. In your torso. What's the difference between a thorax and a torso? <laughs> I never heard of a thorax. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. Well, no, thor <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> oh, it is? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the thorax. I think thorax is a Dr. Seuss character. What's the simplex too? What's this thing here? Thymus? Oh, your thymus your, gland. Your immune system. Uh, there's well, a thyroid gland and a thymus that's responsible for the two parts of your immune system. I that's think. right. Well, and then your pineal glands up here, which is like your third, the third eye. eye yeah. That's your other. Yeah, but your thymus and your thyroid. So yeah, don't get radiation on your neck because that can drastically affect your thymus and your thyroid, which is part of your endocrine system and <laughs> releases a lot of the a lot of the things that you need, all the hormones that uh, balance out the human body. Human body is crazy. We were talking earlier. This is a podcast about music but we we're talking earlier about the human body a hundred thousand processes going on in your cells at any moment in, inside your body that's so cool we were talking about that earlier i'm so into that especially right now um talking about third eye though that reminds me one of my favorite albums was uh anima and i found out that was done in this room is and, that third uh, eye blind no Oh. Uh, the song by it's a it called tool, a tool album oh, called tool, Anima. Yeah. I thought it was called Lateralis. That was the one we Lateralis. Did. They did drums in here too. But I talked to Danny Carey one night. Me and Michael at, ah. a, at a bar near here. And, and what's the name of the record? Anima. It's oh, like, I would have been here probably. It's I think really I really cool. It's a great record. Well, yeah. And what's your Anima? We know what that is. Does anyone know what that is? We do. I don't know. Your Anima and your Anima. That's your. It's kind of associated with your libido and your id. It's kind of your mm. sub. Like in the back of your brain, like your little, your little, you know, subhuman brain at the back of your neck back there. That's your anima. That's cool. Anima and animus. It's like the most basic fundamental functions of your body as like an animal. You know everything. I do not know everything. <laughs> yes, but you do. No, I don't. I just, you know, I like random stuff. I love gets, it. Uh, this is pretty uncensored, by the way. Random shit just gets in there. <laughs> stuff I think about. Nice. But, uh. So now I'm trying to, try to bring it on, bring it on back. Okay, so sorry. We're, it doesn't matter. No, that's the whole point of this thing yeah, is yeah. that it's free form and that we get to learn about you and, and learn about how you feel about music. And I think that it's really telling and, and beautiful that you like to experiment and that you think it's cool to mess around and yeah, have see, to. like that, ha, you know, try to fuck it up and see what happens. You know what I mean? So yeah. are you finding that um, currently in this, stuff that you're writing and your production you do do you usually work out a song on your guitar or is there or a piano or what is there any one thing that you do like the lyrics come first does the melody come first depends on the artist but i usually like to just come up with a chord progression without any kind of drums going on and then just have like each section sort of be defined 
by its like. Do you do it with a keyboard or an acoustic guitar? I usually just use a my electric guitar. Okay. I, I have like a, a guitar I really like, and then a weird guitar chain that I kind of go through. So why is your guitar chain weird? Well, I I go through like a bunch of crap basically. Like uh, <laughs> I have a space echo on one side, That's cool. and then I have a carbon copy bright on the other side, so it does this ping pongy ish delay, and I can turn it off if I want. Um, and then it goes into uh, it goes into like a little, which I'm changing it up right now, but a little Tascam Porta blue piece of crap tape recorder kind of thing. Just oh, like I, a little Porta Studio. I used to have one of those. Yes. Does it have a cassette deck in it? Yes. Oh, I used to have one of those. They, they actually were kind of cool. They had a, I don't know if the Tascam one or the Fostex one had a preamp inside of it. Yeah, it does. Oh and, yeah. That was actually kind of cool. I had one of those. I love it. I used but, to run my stereo through one of those. All right. So you, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. You get it. Um, but yeah, I did have that going into like this old uh, 1980 Japanese console thing, the Yamaha with the, the oh my God. What was that called? The CR5? It, it, what was that called? Yeah, no, it was every, a, I'm going to get tackled by a nerd one day for not remembering this, but no, I think it's, it's like right. P, PMR or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 700. Hey, there are no wrong answers right here. I yeah. mean, if, well, so, if someone listens to the, when, when this goes live, if someone listens to it and wants to reach out, this will be featured on the app called Panther. Yes. So I have to give a shout out to Panther because Panther is a platform that support, uh, supports independent artists, which is kind of why I want to launch this on that and cool. to reach people and uh, encourage people to go to the apps like win win. Mm-hmm. I'll get all my friends to go to the app to listen to my podcast and I go, Oh, Hey, I found this cool musician that I really, really liked that I want to support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds anyway. like a cool app. Um, P-A-N-P-A-N-T-H-R. And I like it because I'm a visual person and I'm a sucker and their logo is a big black panther. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like jumping out of a, he's like jumping out of a hill right now. I'm going to show David. There you go. That's about there. Ah! There we go. See, right? Oh man. You want to hear, you want to hear a story? Sure. Oh, black yeah. panther. Uh, yes. <laughs> Cougar. Possibly. Okay. Um, and I don't even know this, Mount but <laughs> my, my dad and my uncle, I guess they used to live in the trailer, like, well, it, yeah, it was a By trailer. the way, the picture of the, di- the trailer that, that David was showed me was really a nice trailer and it was super clean and it had like trees all around it and it looked just fine. And I, I would live there. I'm going to move back in, I think. Uh, <laughs> no, that was a different place. Talk though. to your wife first. This was in the, yeah, this was in the <laughs> junkyard, but they said that they used to lay there in the middle of the night and hear a, a friggin' panther screaming. Ooh. And they would be, so, it sounds like a woman screaming. Ooh, shit. So it's really, really high-pitched, scary howl. Ooh, shit. And they'd be laying there. With a, one of his lady pants. So scared that they didn't want to even move. And my uncle says that, I guess this would be like the 60s or something. Yeah, yeah. He says he'd, they'd be so scared that they didn't want to look at each other. And then one of them would raise a finger like this. I'm raising a finger. <laughs> and the panther would stop. Maybe <laughs> 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 put the finger back down and it goes again. Oh so. my God, that's so funny. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's uh, afraid to move. But it, it, I don't know. People who are listening to this podcast, I want just adding this in on the thoughts of, of the Panther in the night. The next time you wake up and the sun is coming up or you wake up really early, just really open the window and listen. Because in LA, I live in the valley, I live in North Carolina, the birds are riotous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are ro- they are loud and Don't proud. And now they got the too. green the green uh, green parrots are back this time of year. They're they're screeching all over the valley. The story goes, urban myth. I'm not sure that there was a parrot that was at a pet shop and got released and bred with other parrots. And now there are thousands of these bright lime green parrots, and they're awesome. Wow. And then you got to watch out for the crows because they're watching crows are everything. Crazy man, crows are, crows are crazy. smarter than parrots. 
Do crows like follow your movement? They they, they recognize see, your face too. Do your face and your patterns. You told like, me about crows, and I did, went and looked it up for like you, a week. Was yeah. I tripping? No, no, you're not tripping. You're crazy. Right? They show up too, and they'll have their like their little murders or whatever outside the house <laughs> yeah. communicating. And then I'm like, what is it's, going it's on for like an hour? It's that crow has such an, in my opinion, all animals are beautiful, but in my opinion, they have an unpleasant call. I don't like the way crows sound. That's apparently the community call. Like uh, ah! if it's loud, if it's just kind of stuff, it's more personal. Oh, uh, you know, and yet I'm telling you, listen to the birds. So, and if you listen to the birds <laughs> and you hear the panther, you're probably going to hear one less bird. <laughs> <laughs> don't look them in the eye either. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, the crows or the panther? Either. either one. Don't look anybody in the eye. That's my motto. <laughs> That's not true. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, so you're creating the song. I'm sorry, yeah. No, you don't have to be sorry. My, this is the fun part. Well, so you create, no, I'm, don't be sorry at all. Okay, hey, man, I'm not you, sorry. Anybody I take that's it back. listening to this, if they don't have a sense of humor and they can't get into us being freeform and having fun, then they can just turn me off. I don't care. So uh, so you're you're getting kind of an idea or a feeling or you have a melody. Um, do you ever uh, tailor it to who you're going to be writing with? Like, do you ever think about their style or anything like that? Or you don't want to? Oh, you do. Okay. I definitely should, but I definitely do not. <laughs> because there's so much fun. Just like, I feel like you really ought to just have fun and be like loose and comfortable, but like inspired and ready to make something cool. Yeah. It sucks when someone just it sucks all the energy fun. out of you and you get hit in the gut or something. And then it's like, well, this is an awkward energy. Well, so, yeah, or people are like killjoys. Huh? You know what I mean? People are yeah. killjoys or energy suckers. Yeah, and everyone, I guess, ha- wears that hat a little bit sometimes, whether you want to or not. But it's just, I just feel like it's best when everybody involved is like trying to move forward. And then you end up, you end up well, just like letting the song kind of speak for itself or the artist's voice speak for itself, from my experience. Well, know. and I think if you're a professional and you go into a, an environment where you've been hired or someone's asked you to come, I mean, that's a, that's a bonus right there. Like someone said, <laughs> yeah. like, hey, will you come be a part of this creative process? And you go in there, you owe it to the people present, A, to be in the moment, mm-hmm. and B, to have a positive attitude and be like, look, we're going to do something amazing today. Yeah. You know, we're going to do something cool. Because the people that walk in the room and go, this is it's gonna suck. It's probably gonna, <laughs> probably gonna, like they should leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, but um, but egos come into play, and I think that talented people are that really unique mixture of insecurity and and ego. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and there's a group ego in a way. If there's a bunch of you, like, you know, working with the people that I worked with here, um, for like a long period of time, I felt like there was kind of a collective movement together. You know, it's like. All right, you're gonna will you play drums on this real quick? Or will you like do some vocal stuff right. to me? And I'd be like, Yes. Like whether it was uh, Miguel or Cruella or whoever. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Cruella, I saw I, I always loved them and I saw that they played at the Fonda the other night. I was like, really? damn, I wish I'd have known they played at the Fonda because they're sweet people. Man. I was I was oh, and I thought they were I think they're talented too. Yeah. Uh, David brought up Miguel. Um those of you who don't know Miguel, you should check Miguel out. He is a native Los Angelino from San Pedro, but he is also just such a, a amazing singer and such an amazing artist. I mean, he's, I, I love Miguel. Me too. And that As was, a person and I like his music. Yeah, equally, honestly. Yeah, he's a sweet guy. But uh, I guess I should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, do talk about it. Talk about, talk about going from being like a staff 
person here and then you now you're you're an assistant engineer and now you're really a first engineer which means those of you who don't know what that means means that now you're working directly with the producer and the artist and you're making decisions about the takes well, when you're an assistant engineer you work for the facility and you usually no one really cares what you think and you're really just there to help i mean you know people are nice but you're just really there to help and kind of stay in the background and be part of the it's like a part nate, of the machinery nate said once is like something about i'm just the help and i'm like you're right <laughs> yeah um but with miguel though it, it was kind of like I, I remember just meeting him and then it just kind of felt like family the first day so then you know a year and a half later or so did he did he ask you like hey do you play guitar or do well you what play happened or? is I, I just ended up doing all this stuff like just for fun like because i'd be waiting on him and I've, i could pretty much make like six albums of waiting on miguel material because <laughs> I would show up and I, have all this creative energy and, and then, you know, be like, well, hey, man, I have these pedals and I ran your vocals through it. Check this out. And then I did this thing with the space echo. He'd be like, sometimes he would love it and sometimes he wouldn't. But it was just fun exercise for me. He I wasn't thinking anything he probably, about it. He probably really liked that you gave enough of a damn that you were getting into it. Well, I mean. I know it, that meant something to him. It's a really good opportunity to be in the room with someone like that. And then the mindset that I had, and I think we all had at, the same, at that time. Cause he's a, he really is a, I'm not like just saying he's amazing just to say it, but he's, no, he's like amazing. one of, I didn't even know how amazing he was till I got to work with him and just, uh, you know, running his voice through all that crap or like playing now, drums on a song or now does he, does he play other instruments too? He can. Yeah. And he has his own like style. He's left, he's ambidextrous, but he plays guitar right-handed and right. Okay, that's left very handed. strange. Yeah. That's because, unusual. But it kind of adds a cool pocket to his guitar because he plays bar chords and then he just, he's like sloppy with it, but in the coolest, it just works. I just know if I hear a guitar player, it sounds like me trying to play left-handed. Oh, interesting. Um, I went to, a, um, I went to a Prince tribute that they had a couple years ago, right around the Grammys and it. dude, he lit it on fire. I mean, it was, I was so proud to even say that i knew him i exactly. was so i was so excited imagine standing in the room next to him while he's singing you know and then you're just like all right well that was amazing uh, what was that song called pineapple sky yeah i love that that song. was like four or five mics like that was a whole thing it was one of these mics actually oh this really mic. yeah oh really yeah no he, he's just was so so enthusiastic mm -hmm. i think and even you know everybody has bad days everybody has days where something bad happened or they're sad yeah. or something yeah, a funny yeah. story about miguel actually <laughs> and this is one of the nightmares of, of 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 east west is the parking lot is uh he has that electric bmw right that beautiful it's like an i whatever the hell you call that thing it's oh the i8 yeah the i8 gorgeous thing. got rid of it and oh, yeah, probably got rid of it because he got hit here not, like not twice to, not to give away all miguel's <laughs> yeah yeah sorry miguel if you listen to this don't get mad at us <laughs> But uh, I think someone hit it, and I'm always, that's my, as a studio manager, that's my nightmare. It's like, oh, my God, someone hit someone's car. Mm -hmm. But he was so, so super cool about it. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I'm so, so sorry. And they'll they'll get it fixed, and then we'll get it painted. And, and, and yeah, it all worked out. And he was so kind about it because, obviously, I can't help it. I'm not in control of the universe. You know, yeah. I wish more people. Everybody, you know what? If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you should just realize that individuals are not in control of the universe. So if something happens and it's a mistake, <laughs> Or something bad happens, you should get cut them people some slack. You know, yeah. unless they're mean people and they did it on purpose and then they suck. Yeah. But if it was an accident, <laughs> you should realize that they're not in control of the universe and you shouldn't be mean to people. That's like that's like stepping on someone's foot and 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 then you say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I stepped on your foot," and then you kick them. You know, don't do that. I think a, a guy at a bar did that to me once. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> 
<laughs> how about just don't be, how about be cool? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, how long have we been talking? I, make, I don't know. Late, you're like, oh, damn. Is it we're probably 315? Yeah, we're like, we're probably at our end. My, uh, we my are? Trust, my, trusty, my trusty seat, Keith Munson, who is, uh, doesn't get enough credit, who's the recording engineer who's recording all this, will then send it to the Panther crew, uh, Henrik Garcia, and he will edit it. Mm. And uh, I didn't have you sign a release form, but just know that there's a verbal release form that uh, this is going to go air, uh, be live at some point in time, and you'll get to hear it probably after it goes live. <laughs> you might not get to hear the edited version because I haven't heard them yet. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm trying to build up like quite a few. I'm trying to get like 12 in the can, as yeah. it were. What is the can? What does it even mean? I think 12, it's done, right? 12, in the film can? Maybe? Yeah, I don't that know. that is what it means. Um, so, we're not, we didn't get that far into what David's... Cool creative part. So you did. Oh yeah, we talk a lot. You did did Miguel and we got did Corella. No stream of consciousness. Is Miguel Corella? So what have you been working on? Who have you been working with lately that you have really enjoyed collaborating? with? Lately, there's two people that I really am stoked about. One girl is uh, Izzy Bizu. I met her. I met her over Zoom. Basically, she's in London. Got such a cool voice. And then uh, that's one of those things. I had a session with her today because she's in London. So it's she's asleep now. I mean, I hope. It's like, you know, and <laughs> I can just wake up and then we come up with a riff or two and then come up with some ideas and then move through it. We probably got like 20 in the can, I think. Well, getting put in the can. Um, she rules and I just love working with her. Uh, her and then play what's not there. This is my friend Costa that I met for maybe... Maybe like five years ago or something. Hmm. He was a drummer on a session that I was doing with uh, our friend Dylan in Santa Monica. And I'm like, man, this guy's cool. And I got his number. And then he came by to watch me mix something once and uh, just hung out. And I'm like, this guy's pretty cool. And then I went to go see him play drums again at a show with someone else. I'm like, are you guys writing a lot of stuff rad. together? Well, yeah, he I, he ended up, uh, I heard his band and I, it fucking blew my mind. I couldn't believe it because it was so cool. What's his band called? Play What's Not There. Oh, that's right. You uh, said that. PWNT. So right now, he just, I just kind of well, took Well, there's a concept. Play What's Not There. Oh, man, I can't, like, <laughs> I'm a good musician, but th he's a, an a extra good musician. And mm. he's a pretty good, like, engineer-minded person. And, and I'm, like, better with that. So it's really been really, really, really fun working with him well I think it's cool when you have somebody like that because they know they understand the language of what you're talking about you know yeah. as opposed to someone that doesn't know anything about it and you're like oh let me let me change this out and they're like what's that yeah <laughs> yeah it's been super fun um plus like he understands the phenomenon of like let's see what happens when we run, when we do this so we're he's actually going to be part of my sample library that I'm kind of starting to put out I'm going to put out sample packs cool one, one of them they're like Phil spec the first one's Phil Spector style like double drums with him and the chambers and all that and then everybody always talks about the wall of sound it's hard to pull off um it, it, is the wall of sound just noise or is the wall of sound <laughs> just like what is the wall of sound is it just uh i don't know yeah i, I should know i should be able to explain that actually but i can't I just think it's like a bunch of well i don't know i'm running all this through through, through it's my, creating a landscape that's yeah, what i'm gonna look this at this definitely is and yeah. i'm kind of running it through my chain like my mix chains mm -hmm. so it has like an it's like basically drop it in and you've got drums and don't worry about getting mixed too much i just want things to be super easy is for it people. is this is this more for like just demos and creative and, and and writing and stuff or would you use it on a final product 
I would use it on a final product. Oh, that's cool. No question about it. That's um, cool. And kind of have already, but. Uh, well, that's super groovy. Yeah. You don't need much really to make something super cool. Um, but it's fun to write to and working on that because I, I get nervous sometimes on sessions. So I've got like all these guitar loops and stuff too that I want to put together. That way I could just be like, well, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? You know, right, yeah, yeah. you never know how, how well, it's going to be. I think, uh, you know, it's like an icebreaker. You know what I mean? Like you've, you've gone, especially if you've gone into a room with people that you never worked with before that you don't know and they're looking at you and you're looking at them and everybody's looking at each other and you'd be like, there was just, you know, it's like a freak out, but you could just be like, Hey, like, <laughs> well, this is what I had. And what do you guys think of this? You know what yep. I mean? So I think, I think that's a good icebreaker. And I think, I think in a really positive way that, uh, musicians, and I do not mean this in anything other than a compliment are, are childlike in their manner, in the, in the way that the joyousness and the natural happiness with which they approach creativity, that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing that everybody needs to get back to, that everybody needs to stop, you know, and really just enjoy what they're doing, you know, whatever it is that you do. Dig what you do. Mm -hmm. That's my new bumper sticker. <laughs> dig what I you like do to, and do I like what to you garden. Dig. Well, I like to garden. Dig so what you like, do, do what you dig. Yeah, yeah dig, dig what you do. <laughs> um, we're gonna well, we're gonna wrap up this episode, and you know, we're gonna have David back as a guest because David's a very entertaining guest. We'll have David back again when he's done some more stuff, and we haven't probably even touched the top of the ice tip of the iceberg on stuff that he's done. So, <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast today. It's called Trade Secrets. Get it's the double entendre there. See Trade Secrets, and we're trading secrets. I have I know I have to say that every time, but I think it's funny. So thank you guys for uh, tuning in today, and I hope you learned something, and I hope at the very least that you realize that music is such a positive thing, and you, if you can't make it, listen to it. Okay, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> this is fun. It's fun.